Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. You'll notice tonight we're back inside Martin Manor because it's a little chilly out there and the shop just isn't warm enough. So for my friends in Montana and Kansas and places like that, yes, I'm a sissy. But here we are and uh, hope you guys are nice and warm too. I bet you're not out in your shop right now either. Anyway, tonight we are in the book of Matthew, continuing. We're in chapter 8, beginning in the first verse tonight. Uh, the last three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we saw Jesus in his teaching ministry. Uh, tonight we'll be looking at his healing ministry, which is, it rolls in there. Well, gee, I can imagine that. It rolls in there just perfectly. I, I wonder how, how that could happen. But anyway, let's uh, open with prayer. Father, we thank you for this time we're together tonight. We thank you for your word. And again, we, we pray that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. Send the Holy Spirit upon me, Lord, and, and always keep me out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, chapter 8, verse 1 says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put his hand on him and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Then evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. And Then a certain scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. 
And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and spoke and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there's a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, quite a bit going on here, huh? And again, this is Jesus starting off in his healing ministry. And it's verse 1 starts off with him saying, And he'd come down from the mountains, great multitudes follow him. Well, remember back in chapter 5, verse 1, it talked about all the great multitudes. And that's why he had them all sit down and he sat up on the mountain preached to them to where they could all hear the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so verse 2 goes on to say, though, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Saying, Lord, first of all, recognizing that Jesus is Lord, and saying, if you are willing, recognizing that not many people were willing to help lepers out at that time at all. Uh, leprosy... This is, this is from William Barclay. It's described as this. Might begin with the loss of all sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands are like claws. There follows ulcerations of the hands and feet. When then comes a progressive loss of fingers and toes until in the end the whole hand or whole foot may drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. It is a kind of terrible progress death, progressive death in which a man dies by inches. This is a terrible thing. Uh, this also is a description of sin. How sin can creep into our lives little by little, ultimately taking us over. Hmm. And Jesus uses this uh, illustration uh, many times, as we'll find later. Okay, now, verse 3 says that Jesus put his hand out and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He put his hand out. Okay, now. According to Jewish law and customs, one had to keep six feet from a leper. If the wind was blowing toward a person from a leper, they had to keep 150 feet away. The only thing more defiling than contact with a leper was contact with a dead body. So for all these people that are watching this, you know, again, we have multitudes, and they're watching this happen. They're thinking, oh, he's going to touch him? <laughs> and then to have him cleansed, it, it just had to be mind-blowing. 
So verse 4, Jesus says to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Now, of course, you hear Jesus saying this a lot of times. Well, don't tell anybody. Yeah, right. They're not going to tell anybody. Oh, look at this. Hey, you know. So he says, but show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as testimony to them. Okay, the gift that Moses commanded. Okay, Adam Clark says it this way. The gift was to living, clean birds some cedar wood with scarlet and hyssop, which were brought for his cleansing. And when clean, two he lambs, one ewe lamb, three tenth deals of flour, one log of oil. But if the person was poor, now this is interesting. If the person's poor, don't you think that leopards are all poor because they're not able to do business anymore? You know, unless they were really rich when they were struck with leprosy, they were pretty much all poor. So and if he was poor, then he has to bring one lamb, one-tenth deal of flour, one log of oil, and two turtle doves or young pigeons. You can find all this stuff out in Leviticus. If you want to get in all the kind of things, Le Leviticus chapter 14 will tell you all about this. Now, Jesus says, as testimony to them. To the gifts? No to the religious leaders. What, they're, what he's doing is saying, hey, show yourself, and you can show these religious leaders that have been waiting for the Messiah that guess what? Dun, da, 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 he's here because he's healed this leprosy. And the interesting thing about this is the only recorded healing prior to this in the Old Testament was a sister of Moses. Her name was Miriam. And... Uh, that was in Numbers chapter 12. You can read about there if you want to do that. And so this would have been just a great shock to all these religious leaders because this was, well, over 600 years prior that that was the only recorded uh, healing of leprosy. Who healed Miriam? God did. Now you get these, these religious leaders that see, okay, now they're probably running back, scratching their heads. We better get back in scriptures. What are we supposed to do here? Because it was not an everyday deal. Matter of fact, it was something completely new to them. Okay, now we move on in chapter, at verse 5. It says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, which is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Now, you probably know this already, but it, it bears repeating that a centurion is a Roman officer uh, with authority over 100 soldiers. Okay, And so he came pleading with him. Well, this centurion had to humble himself. And this guy's pretty heavy duty. This guy's got a lot of heat, man. You know, he's, he's the man what's in charge, and he is humbling himself to plead with this Jew. And he says to him, pardon me, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Okay. My Lord, again, like the guy the paralytic did, he recognizes that Jesus is Lord. Step number one. And then he talks about his sermon. Now, Roman law at the time stated that this centurion had all the right in the world to, if this servant that has a sick, take him out like a horse and shoot him, or like you would a family pet, have him put down perfectly, perfectly legal by Roman law. Again, just because something's legal doesn't mean that it's correct. It's morally correct. Anyway, 
So you see how much this centurion felt for his servant. Verse 7 goes on to say, And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. He doesn't say, well, let me think about this a minute. Let me see if I can put you on a schedule. He says, I'll come and heal him. You know, no hesitation, right? Now, the other thing that's weird about this, well, unusual about this, is that Jews generally didn't go in the houses of Gentiles. Obviously, the centurion was a Gentile. So all these multitudes that are watching this, and they hear Jesus, yeah, I'll, I'll come over and heal him. That had to be mind-blowing in and of itself. Now, the centurion's response is great. The centurion answered and said, Lord, again, recognizing Jesus as Lord, I am not worthy. Once again, humbling himself. And again, this guy will go on to say, says, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. Now, showing tremendous faith here. And he goes on to say, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. So he would used to taking and giving orders. And I say to this one, go. And he goes. So another come and he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it again, showing his great authority. Verse 10 goes on to say, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those that followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now think about this. This centurion is the embodiment of persecution against the Jews. Remember, this is an occupying force in Israel. You know, Romans had conquered them, and it's the occupying forces. And so these guys weren't very well loved in Israel, and Jesus goes on to say, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Verse 11, it says, And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, saying, guess what? It ain't only going to be Jews. This is, again, look at the crowd, the multitude that he's talking to, these people that understand these things, and it's probably blowing their minds saying, hey, yeah, sorry, you know, it's not just going to be you guys there. There's going to be these Gentile guys are going to be there in heaven with them. And verse 12, he gets even further in this. He says, the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, Jesus mentions this five times in the Gospels, the, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know, grinding your teeth type of thing. So this is something that he's... Pretty much telling you this is what's going to happen in hell. But check this out. David Guzik puts it this way, where Jesus is reminding his listeners that just as a Gentile's racial identity has no automatic barrier to the kingdom, that their racial identity was no guarantee of the kingdom. Though the Jews were sons of the kingdom, they might very well end up in hell. As all of us, if we don't surrender to Jesus, that's <laughs> that's where we're going. Jesus is making this abundantly clear to these people that are there. Okay. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go on your way. And as you have believed, again, speaking of the centurion's tremendous faith, 
So let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that hour. Wow. Now here's something that I really find interesting. Verse 14 says, Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Ding, 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 ding. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Peter was married? Now, I know that there are certain ones of you from, that come from a certain faith tradition that says Peter was the first pope and that priest can't be married. So this is kind of contradictory, isn't it? That Peter was married and had a mother-in-law. You know, they're, they're, you know, and, and living with them at his house. So it seems to me that, you know, this not having priests be married is a bunch of baloney. Now, okay. Keep those cards and letters coming if you don't agree with this. But I, my thought on it is when Paul mentioned that it'd be better for you if you weren't married, if you're going into ministry, think about this. What was going on when Paul was the arguably greatest uh, Christian missionary that ever walked this earth, right? Well, there was a lot of persecution of Christians. Matter of fact, before Paul had his come to Jesus moment, he was one of the ones doing them. What were they doing? Taking them out, stoning them, cutting their heads off. Think of all the stuff that happened to the apostles, you know, boiled in oil, all these kind of things. My thought on this is Paul is saying, hey, you know, if you're going to do this, there's a good chance this is going to happen to you, and we don't need any more widows and orphans to take care of. It's thinking about how the family would be affected by having the husband being taken out like that. That's my own personal, that's the uh, uh, commentary by William Cruz Martin. Uh, take it forever, many grains of salt you want, but uh, that was my thought on it. You know, this isn't, this should not be something chiseled in stone because obviously Peter was married. Okay. So now here comes the other part, verse 15. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. Ah, uh, here's another big ding, 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 ding. Oh no, this is showing how terrible patriarchal system is that they made her get up and serve the men. Now think about it. Think about how wonderful this is for us. Those of us who are touched by Jesus, what should our response be? To go out and serve him. Ah, what a great example for all of us. Verse 16 goes on to say, when evening had come, they brought him, brought, pardon me, to him many who were demon possessed. Demon possession. We've had, we've touched on this now and again. I have uh, been around people, uh, and I think many of you may have had this same experience with those who had uh, demon possession. Dr. Lightfoot gives two sound reasons why Judea in the Lord's time abounded in demoniacs. First, because they were advanced so advanced to the very height of impiety. In other words, they were not pious at all. See that Josephus, their own historian, says of them, there was not a nation under heaven more wicked than they were. Secondly, because they were strongly addicted to magic. 
And so, as they were, invited evil spirits to become familiar with them. You know, that's what happens. These Ouija boards and all this jive that maybe some of your friends brought out when you were in grammar school or something like that, Dungeons and Dragons games and all that stuff, it invites demonic spirits in. Oh, Willie, you're just just wacky. You're just one of those one of those nut Christian guys, you know. No, I've experienced it. I know many else have. You may have experienced it as well. So what do you do? Cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Remember, uh, Jesus fulfilled over 320 different Old Testament prophecies. Okay, and so there it is, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. There. Now, verse 18. I like this. And when Jesus saw the great multitudes around him, he gave a command to depart the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You know, sometimes you got big crowds. It hinders what you do. Uh, sometimes when you just have too many people around, not necessarily big crowds, but you're trying to get something accomplished, it can be kind of tough when you got more people around. Uh, my grandfather was uh, famous to say that somebody with nothing to do will always find a busy man to do it with. Okay, so this is what's going on with Jesus. Not to say that he didn't want to minister to them all, but you know, there's only so much you can do. And now in verse 19, it goes on to say, Then a certain scribe, a religious leader, uh, came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Boy, look at me. I'll follow you wherever you go. And what Jesus replied, he said, Well, he said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, which is a phrase used over 81 times when Jesus described himself as not only true God, but true man. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Sort of like saying, Ah, so, hey, you want to follow me, eh? Well, let me let me let you in on this uh, this glamorous life of mine. You know, you'll follow me wherever you, you know. And then these guys, okay, the religious leaders did have pretty good pocket change, and they did have somewhat authority and a nice lifestyle. And he's saying, look, <laughs> if you want to follow me, it ain't going to be like it is where you are right now. Next, it goes on to say another one of his disciples. Remember, disciples, we're not just talking about the 12. We're not just talking about the 12. Disciples are anyone who follow Jesus. Bingo. Okay. We could be considered disciples. Those who follow the disciplines of Jesus, we are his disciples. Um, think back uh, when Jesus was baptized, right? He had... John, who did the baptizing, had disciples, which is it, it is, it is Peter, and I think Thaddeus were disciples of John. Okay. So anyway, so they had one of his disciples, one of the people following say, Lord, let me first go and bury my father, which seems like a you know, reasonable thing. You know, my old man just died and I'm going to, nah, which meant wait. Wait, you have to wait until after my dad dies, after Pop dies, and then I'll come and follow you. 
Now that's what they're saying. They're not saying this guy, this, his father had died and said, wait, wait till after he dies. And maybe a little bit of that is, you know, I, I stand and inherit some money, so I'm not going to afford to follow you. You know, kind of thing. And what is Jesus' response? He says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That seems a little strange. Well, those who are dead in spirit is what I think Jesus is referring to. And he says the dead bearing their own dead. Um, here's something. Jesus was not afraid to discourage potential disciples. Unlike many modern evangelists, he was interested more in quality than quantity. Nothing has done more to harm Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks with Christ's army with every volunteer who's willing to make a little profession and then talk fluently of this experience. You know, somebody who just did it and now, hey, look at me, I'm the guy. You know, I know all this stuff. Well, I'm probably not. I'm not, you know, I have seen this happen. I have seen this happen on various uh, elder boards of churches. You'll get somebody who now, oh, yeah, they asked me because I'm this real spiritual guy, and so I'm on the board of elders. Or you'll get the one that says, you know, you got the wrong guy here. If you really knew who I am, you wouldn't have chosen me. But if that's the case, with the help of God, I'll do everything to the best of my ability. And I've seen guys like that. Now, those are the guys. Those are guys that got to go on Okay, now, going on. Here's where we switch gears a little bit. Now, when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest rose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Now, the disciples certainly were not asleep. As a matter of fact, they're a little shook. Verse 25 says, Then his disciples came to him and awoke him and said, Lord, save us, we're perishing. Panic, you know, oh, save us, panic, panic. Verse 26, he says, But say to them, he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? What did they just witnessed? They just witnessed a leper being healed, a slave being healed remotely, you know, not being there, uh, Peter's mom-in-law being healed, and many of the demonic being driven out of the demoniacs. Okay, think about this. And so Jesus saying, "You know, you know, you've seen all this stuff. Why, why are you afraid, man?" Well, I think I would be too. Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marvelled, saying, "Who can this be that even the winds and the sea?" Obey him. You know, they had gone from seeing him being truly man, fully man, right? They, he was, he was exhausted. You got to think about preaching all this and then doing all this healing. Jesus had to be plumb tired. So here he is in the boat, sleeping, wiped out, exhausted. They get him up and then they, they see him starting off as true man and then also being true God by having by having authority over all creation. What does it say for us? Well, I believe that it says for us that when we get in a panic and we lose sight of what Jesus can do, we need to step back and realize that he has the ability and the authority 
to save us from all these situations. may not be done in the manner that we think it should be done, but he has and he will save us. Most importantly, what has he done? He has saved us from our sins. So we need to, whenever we get in a panic, oh, Lord, what's going to happen? Well, that's the first thing. Cry out to him say, Lord, I need your help. But realize that he is there and he will take care of it. All right. Questions, comments, smart aleck remarks? I, he had me going there for a minute, waiting for something to be thrown. Uh, again, uh, tonight I'd like to lift up. I'm trying to be a little bit more diligent in this, lifting up those who have requested prayer. Um, so again, tonight, um, I uh, want to lift up Tim, who has health troubles, got spiritual battles. Uh, Amanda, who uh, really could use a job. Uh, well, it's got job issues and has troubles uh, with her son. Amanda's in her 40s and, and her son's doing silly things, which we all have done. And so she could sure use our prayers. Um, and again, salvation for Troy and Lisa and, and Jim and also healing for our, our Bonneville buddy, Wayno. And lift these people up in prayer. So we'll do that tonight. So Heavenly Father, again, we come before you knowing full well that you are the one that's in charge and that uh, you can, you can uh, change things. Yes, we do. We pray for Tim that uh, you would heal him, Lord. He's been struggling for many years uh, and help him mostly with spiritual healing. Um, that's the tough one. I think that spiritual battles get taken care of. I believe that physical healing will just fall into place. And for Amanda, too, that the big thing is, Lord, uh, I pray that she seek your face. I pray that you place people in her life that can testify to your goodness and glory and your mercy and that she depend upon you, just like we were talking about earlier this evening. Pray for Troy, Lisa, and Jim that you open their hearts to your Holy Spirit. Remove that heart of stone. Place it with a heart of flesh. And again, for our buddy, we know that you just heal him and have him know that you're the one in charge doing that as well. And with that, I pronounce blessing. Lord be with you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.